0: Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, Episode 172, Bran and a Clash of Kings, Chapter 1. I am one of your hosts, Chloe.
1: And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana.
0: Yeah, love clash. I'm so happy. This is such a great book, and I just, like, feel someone has to give it love. The love it deserves, and it's gonna be me. It's gonna I'm be gonna you. I'm gonna love you at Clash of Kings.
1: It's gonna be you. I think that at the very least, like I feel like Brand's chapters really sh- benefit in Clash. Not every character mm-hmm. does, but like Brand's chapters in Clash a lot. There's a lot.
0: The front of it, he is so resentful, and the end of it, it's a different kind of awakening. Also, that kind of moment as a preteen where you're like, I knew I was right. I knew the world was <laughs> bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I love that part of Brand's chapters. It comes
1: early for him, right? Because we don't, I guess, get that five-year jump. He's just like, hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, a lot happens to him at that age, right? A lot.
0: A lot. Well, before we jump into Bran, a little bit of housekeeping up top. We just recorded a Patreon episode on the Kingsguard. It will be out for all patrons in the Stranger tier. That's the $5 tier and above. This month, October, was when that was for, and then this This new month, if you're listening to this, it is most definitely November. We will be recording another special patron episode for you, which will be about the Queen's Guard, and I'm a little excited for that one. The King's Guard was fun. I had fun with you on that, but not to be biased.
1: It was hard because we kind of kept slipping into things that are Queen's Guard related (laughs) with with, uh, that episode, but yeah, November we'll be focusing a little bit more on the Queen's Guard before we start... Digging into, like, the bazillion of people who were Kingsguard. You'd think there would be, like, not that many, because, you know, it's a very prestigious institution. But there's quite a few. It's a dangerous job. <laughs> it is also a dangerous job. That's true. Lots of health risks, like death. And not great health benefits, I can tell you that much. And no life insurance, would you believe? Well, I mean, I guess the theory is you don't have any family after that, so who are you going to support? No one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's that's the goal if you're doing the job right
0: (laughs) westeros is destroying the family as we know it Mm -hmm. here in america and we at girls gone canon and applebees gone canon ua yep (laughs) (laughs) okay anyways that is not all the fun that we will have this month we want to give a very special thank you to our friend maddie who has hosted some amazing house of the dragon discussions over at our discord for patrons in the thunder tier and up that's the ten dollar tier and up and besides our hot D discussions, which were a blast and we can't wait for season two, glad for a break, had a blast covering it with you all, but ready, uh, ready to get back to Bran. But we do a monthly brunch slash happy hour. This month, November's has not yet been announced. It will be announced hopefully in the next couple of weeks for you and patrons alike but patrons in the Thunder and Up get access to Discord and to all these little events and things popping off there digitally, which it's a blast. It's really fun. We got to meet a few patrons this week, too, this past week, and that was a blast.
1: Yeah, new faces. Fun time, fun time. Yeah. I don't know if we have, like, too many emails and tweets of note. We did get one from our friend, Dog Plus One asking if—this is not brand-related, but I liked it, so we're going to talk about it. Asking is a white claw tall boy can like should it be called a long claw? Yay or no. Oh a long claw. What do you think, a Chloe? I I mean I'm for it. Yeah. I said su- I I like it. Yeah. I approve. A long claw. Now I want
0: long claw, but made out of white claw. It's just yes. a white claw tall boy. Yeah.
1: Oh, you mean you hmm. want to like do it? Yes. do you, you remember you remember like people would do that challenge you know they chuck a bunch of beers and like make like a wizard staff with them
0: yeah i was that's saving franzia boxes for a very long time because i wanted to make boxed wine armor mm. i'm serious when i say now i mm-hmm. want a long claw that could made be a white cloth. that
1: could be you this yeah. could be me this could be you absolutely <laughs> uh so that that's a tweet of Great note that tweet. we got thank you dog plus one uh we also got another email from now brandon the emailer because who said that is the best title that they've gotten so far? We did it. <laughs> we did it. That's what I've got for you right now.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Eliana. Thanks. That was Eliana on the emails and tweets of Note, everyone. And we're going to... And now for the weather. it out back around. <laughs> now for the weather. <laughs> and you know how it's looking in our weather, Eliana? It is looking stormy and full of lightning. Because we're oh, going to jump into you say into Storm of Swords. And I was like, that's round. next book. Next no, book. No, it's, it's very... It's clashing outside. It's clashing. Uh, We have a big storm on our hands here. Not a storm of swords, but a storm of lightning round, because we need to finish off a Game of Thrones. When we left off with Bran, we had a handful of chapters left. So, back after our last Bran chapter in A Game of Thrones, Sansa 6, Joffrey shows Sansa the heads of traitors in King's Landing.
1: Daenerys 9. Daenerys tries to revive Drogo, but by morning, he's gone and she must help him to go. <laughs> Tyrion 9, Tyrion must act as Hand of the King. John 9, though determined to desert. John is brought back by his brothers and given a new goal to go beyond the Wall by Mormont. Catelyn 11, The King in the North. Daenerys 10, The night Comes Alive with Dragonsong.
0: And we are clashing our way into some kings and clash kings. In the prologue, where, on Dragonstone, omens and portents light up the sky. Maester Cressen must choose between enabling the son he loves or giving him some hard truths.
1: Hmm. Arya one. Arya travels north and disguises a little boy, going to join the Night's Watch. And Jorin reveals her father was actually supposed to have taken the Black. Sansa one. Sansa is settling into her new life
0: in King's Landing, where Joffrey celebrates his name day trying to drown a man in wine.
1: Who hasn't done that at least once on their name day? Let's be real. Tyrion won. Tyrion has his first day at the new job, and boy, does it suck.
0: Yeah, that guy wants a brontosaurus burger (laughs) when he gets home. He is done. That leads us to Bran one in a clash of kings, where the red comet is hanging over Winterfell, and Bran ponders its meaning. He's resentful of being stuck in his body, stuck in Winterfell, much like the wolves who've been caged up as well. He's learning to play. Okay, somewhat nice with the phrase, but his dreams may take a lot of that emotional capacity, whether Lewin can try to turn them off with a sleeping drought or not.
1: Yes, and the chapter opens with Bran preferring to sit in the cold, hard stone window than his feather bed. The walls are pressing in on him when he's stuck in bed, and he feels that Winterfell feels like his prison. So you very much now have a prince, because he's a prince now stuck in the tower right imprisoned by his own body but also kind of by the people who love him and we see that more and more as the chapter progresses it started towards the end of last book it kind of reminds me a little bit of Arienne being imprisoned by some of the people who love her because you know arianne arianne was up to foolishness as we know but also at the same time you get this great parallel between bran and his sister sansa who is currently also imprisoned, and another princess in a tower, but in King's Landing.
0: There's a lot in this chapter, and it's really funny, because for for my favorite POV characters to be them, and a couple of other POVs, right, people that I really, really like to read from in this series, I don't really think about them as similar, and this chapter is where it starts to come out, the parallels with Rickon and Arya, and Sansa and Bran, and their duty, and the way they're supposed to behave, and being caged right, in the face of these trappings of power. I, I really, I feel it in this chapter and some of that similar story that they're both traveling on.
1: hmm absolutely. Even the call. They've got a lot of similarities in the way that they kind of long for the songs, too, and are, are stripped of the notions of those in different ways. They just want their fam. <sighs> Outside Brand's window, the world is a light. Candles and
0: fires glow in the windows across the keep, and he loves to watch the stars and listen to the wolves sing. He dreams of them. Often, lately, he can almost understand their howls when they sing. Not quite, but almost. Like a language he once knew, but had forgotten.
1: Hmm. That's a big Georgish feel there, but also something else that feels very like George, is the way that Bran is described feeling trapped and enjoying the lights, the way that he feels like he wants to see that wider world, but is kept from it and he's, he's only experiencing it through, again, those lights across the windows, reminds me a lot of stories that George has shared of his own childhood growing up in Bayonne where he feels really trapped uh, by that small town. I don't know how small it was. Like, I've I've been like us to Jersey City. I'm like, there's a lot of things here, but there were presumably less things, I guess, when George was younger. But he he felt very trapped there, and stories were his way of escaping it. But also he likes to share that anecdote of like he would look across the river, right, at the lights on Staten Island, and imagine that it was some like magical place across the river, which is like absolutely hilarious, you know, when you hear him tell it because you're like, oh, Staten Island. But um, yeah, I, it really evokes, I think George's own childhood here.
0: Just for context, in 2020, they had about 70,000 people living there, give or Is take. That,
1: like a lot or a little. <laughs> I mean,
0: it's if it's grown since then. So like, like Bayonne census, come to me, Google. Bayonne census 1970, just for fun. God, I guess that was when censuses like started. <laughs>
1: yeah, it turns out that's like, crazy. Oh, great! Yeah, I mean, like Social Security is much newer than we all think. You know, it is
0: smaller. I mean, so I grew up in a town that it was the city was like probably about fifty thousand people to sixty thousand people when I was living there. But then when I grew like out of that, when I moved out, probably five years ago, they're now at like a hundred thousand people. So they grew, but realistically, Bayonne had about seventy k. Somewhere in the range of 70,000 people. Yeah, so no, like even in nineteen seventy. Okay.
1: But I mean that seems so, pretty sizable, in my opinion.
0: That's I don't a medium. Know. It's a medium. But I get it though, because there aren't I mean that is still very small. Like for context, we're currently both at a city of like two million people. Word. That's nothing but a drop in the bucket, right? Like there are so many people and stories and opportunities here, and it does get tiresome in the same place with fewer opportunities. Sometimes it's nice, and sometimes it's good to embrace, but...
1: Yeah. There was probably, I guess, less to do at that... I don't know, less to do at that mm-hmm. time. It was presumably smaller as well. The Walders may be scared of Summer, but Bran is a Stark of Winterfell with wolf blood. Old Nan said so, so he's not afraid. Instead, he feels that Summer's howls were long, sad, full of longing and grief. But Shaggy's were savage, they echo through the yards, sounding more like a great pack than two wolves, and we have this quote, two where they had once been six. Do they miss their brothers and sisters too? Brand wondered. Are they calling to Greywind and Ghost and Nymeria and Lady's Shade? Do they want them to come home and be a pack together? It's so sorrowful, especially up against
0: the end of A Game of Thrones, which in a lot of ways... The dragons being born feels almost triumphant, right, in the face of the hardship that Danny has had to face her entire life.
1: Mm.
0: So having the dragon song, the, the night be filled, with the song of the dragons, the music of them in her last chapter after she has lost so much, Drogo and Rego, uh, and then here the magic begins seeping through every single chapter that we've touched in some way or form so far. As we get to Bran's chapter, it's the wolves that are howling their mournful tune.
1: Mm. It is interesting. It sounds like the song then, what you're saying, Like in general, no matter what it is, it it is a song of loss from Mm -hmm. all of these different magical creatures. Mournful. So when Bran asked Roger Cassell why the wolves howl, Cassell says, who can know the mind of a wolf? And I'm like, "Mm, a skin changer. I have this Where will we find one? Where will we find one? North of the wall. I think his name is (laughs) Varamir. That's who we need here. Uh, yeah, we can't look anywhere else. Nowhere else. (laughs) Roderick
0: had been named Kasselin in Kat's absence and wasn't really up for answering questions. He was like, yeah, whatever, kid. I'm gonna move on. Farlin, the kennel master, says that the wolves howl for freedom. They don't like being walled up. They belong in the wild. Gage, the cook, agrees. They want to hunt. They probably smelt prey. Lewin disagrees. He thinks they're howling at the comet, that they think it's the moon. Stupid dogs. It's not the moon.
1: Osha laughs and says that no, 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 the wolves are smarter than Lewin. they know True. truths that he has forgotten. He a- asks what the comet means then to her and Osha says, blood and fire, boy. Nothing sweet. Quite frankly, I'm always destined to just agree with Osha.
0: She knows some shit. You know, she she's the kind of person that if if I saw her on a trail and she's like, I wouldn't go that way if I were you, I'd be like, you're so right. Turn it around. <laughs> Turn it around. <gasps> That bitch knows things. And she does. coming right off the prologue just a couple chapters ago, she's not wrong, right? It means blood and fire and what's coming. Uh, that said, there was a line where we left off in that last brand chapter, right, where Lewin warns Osha against filling Brand's mind with lies that has such similar language to another maester that we've already visited in a Clash of Kings before now in Crescent's prologue that he says about Melisandra and Dalla talking to Shireen. Ill enough that she's filled the head of the mother with her madness. Must she poison the daughter's dreams as well? He would have a stern word with Dalla, warn her not to spread such tales. Interesting that we have these children being told that this magic's not real. But now it's beginning to come true in front of their eyes in each chapter
1: word in regards to Oshisha seems to know things and that's kind of funny. Like all the all the Maesters I mean I get it, right? Like they they think that this is right. It makes sense. This is what they're taught the truth is, especially because they actually did try to find magic. They if anything, like they were the ones who wanted to believe it the most and mm-hmm. Crescent as opposed to Maester Lewin definitely thinks that there is kind of like existent magic to Melisandra and that's what scares him. For Lewin he's just like mm-mm Nothing. There's nothing, unfortunately. Life just kind of... It's just what it is. Mundane. It is interesting that Osha... uh, I mean, who told her, right? The Targaryen house words? Backwards.
0: I think that's definitely my favorite of the comet interpretations that we hear, though. That she's like, that's blood and fire. That's what it is. Because that is kind of what a comet is.
1: Not in real life, but yes.
0: Not the blood part, (laughs) but it's basically just a hurling, you know, lit up disc in the sky...
1: Yeah, of ice, I guess. Actually, yeah, it is literally ice and fire if you think about it, because it literally is mm. like a hurtling chunk of what space ice, and then it's yeah. going so fast it's burning up. Um, mm-hmm. We're gonna get to like one of my the the interpretation I think is fun in a second when Bran asks Sept and Chael, like what he thinks as they sort through the scrolls taken from the library fire.
0: I would love to read those scrolls, I just have to say. I'm like, what are they?
1: I think Tyrion wanted to read them too, right? Yeah, I want to read them now. i <laughs> getting real antsy about it. So, Chael says, It is the sword that slays the season, he replied, and soon after the White Raven came from Oldtown, bringing word of autumn, so doubtless he was right. The old man did not think so, and she'd lived longer than any of them. Dragons, she said, lifting her head and sniffing. She was near blind and could not see the comet yet she claimed she could smell it. It'd be dragons, boy, she insisted. Brand got no princes from Nan. No more than he ever had. Hodor said only, Hodor. (laughs) Actually, fun fact, Georgia said, technically the comet is still there in the sky and he could bring it back at any point in time if he needs to just suddenly end the books and be like, and the comet crashed into the world and it all blew up. So that's always still a possibility for the book ending, according to George. I will say there's something kind of fun about Old Nan and Osha giving sort of complimentary descriptions of what the comet is, even though they're like not really communicating, but also that like they're far away from Daenerys, right? So Old Nan Mm -hmm. feels kind of Maester Aemony here. Like, how does she know? How does she know about the dragons? But also Sept and Chael. His answer's kind of interesting, too, about, like, the sword that slays the season. It's kind of fun when you think about, like, the Long Night and Lightbringer.
0: Yeah, and there's definitely something about Old Nan having possibly met Dunk and Mm -hmm. possibly met Egg. Egg and 5 coming up here in the She-Wolves of Winterfell, maybe, or something along those lines. Some sort of meeting, it seems that they would have known one another. But I love the line that, and it really just... It opens it up wide that you see that now that Bran is a prince, there are different things happening in this chapter. And there's the part, Bran got no princes from Nan, no more than he ever had. She was never going to call him Prince Bran. Which makes me think of Aegon the Unlikely, though.
1: Mm, Because if Aegon
0: and Dunk had visited up there, it's just an interesting put line. Bran got no princes from Nan, no more than he ever had. I bet she probably called him Aegon or called him whatever else name that she knew him by. She wasn't
1: gonna call him Prince, fuck Aegon. She was like, "You're just a kid." She could have even met Aemon, also, you know, on his yeah, on his way to the Wall, right? Because that's a pretty yeah. long journey. <laughs> they gotta stop. Somewhere. It's interesting that her and Osha
0: both have the same stories about beyond the Wall.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. It I is. Mean, they both okay.
0: believe the same things.
1: Well, if she's related to Hodor slash Walder, right, and he's got some mm-hmm. giant's blood, they could be from mm-hmm. north of the Wall. Maybe so, or have family from there
0: mm Hmm. I loved the sword that slays the season. It very much so brought the long night imagery to mind for this. Yeah, that's definitely my favorite part of it.
1: It makes me think of winter, but like not in that way, not in the long night way, but like in terms of like the sword that slays the season, but like S L E I G H as instead of sleigh. Oh, like sleigh bells ringling. Ding, exactly.
0: too. I think it's
1: just because it's around the corner. So. I do feel that way. (laughs) So the direwolves continue
0: to howl, and everybody complains of sleepless nights, but Bran doesn't mind. Shaggy had bit little (laughs) Walder Frey, so Roderick confined him to the godswood. And Bran's like, sometimes Winterfell played tricks on him as if he could hear the godswood right below his window, which isn't right at all. And I'm like, no, you're just in your wolf, buddy. Like, you are just listening through your wolf. I thought that was such an obvious line of He's like, there's no way I could be hearing this. It must be the echo in the yard.
1: Mm. That is, yeah, that's absolutely what it is. It's like getting closer and closer each time. It's almost there at his consciousness. Yeah. He can see the comet hanging in the outside window and the gargoyles, black shapes against the dusk. Each time makes me wonder, like, is this like a remnant? But I don't think so, because I think by now George had scrapped 93 with Tyrion. Anyways, watching over the first keep, Bran remembers running along them, but does not remember falling, just having fallen. Also, he had almost died. When he sees the gargoyles now, he gets a tight feeling in his belly. He can no longer climb, walk, run, sword fight. And now he would never be a knight.
0: Summer had howled the day Bran fell, and for long after a while he recovered. Summer mourned for him, Rob said. Shaggy and Greywind joined in too. The wolves knew when Ned had died as well and howled then. But who are they mourning now, Bran wonders. Had his brother, the king of the north, been slain? Or his bastard brother, John fallen from the wall? Or his mother or his sisters? Or was this something else?
1: What do you think? I mean, like, so all of these people kind of die. I'm hoping none of, like, his sisters do. It doesn't seem like they will based on uh, the show that these are based off of. But are they, like, seeing the future? What do you think is going on?
0: There is something interesting there in the order of things, right? His brother, the king in the north, his bastard brother, John, his mother, or his sisters? I used to, a long time ago, be like an Arya dies person, but I really don't think she will. And I used to though really think hard into it, like the needle and the, you know- You the know, winter like when winter's done, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll find you frozen yeah. with
1: win- a needle between your fingers.
0: As you know, like, I have different thoughts about A Song of Ice and Fire than I did eight years ago. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, th- shit changes. You change as a person. But I don't think it foreshadows some, or, like, I don't know. As far as, like, on a meta level, I think it's obviously, like, there's a little bit of foreshadowing play from George to Pokedus. I do think it's the supernatural elements. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think something about, I mean, the birth of magic feels yeah prominent. They could the be born in Khal Drogo. he did seem like such a nice guy (laughs) I
1: mean I'm just saying if they're singing along with the dragons I mean they could be
0: yeah I I mean they're all in tune to the same magic is what I'm thinking or the same like wavelength
1: yeah it could be any of these things it's interesting to think that this is a foreshadowing of a bit right and then maybe some of it is Mm -hmm. like a red herring because like yeah the king of the north does die John does die but he does come back his mother does die Mm -hmm. but she does come back
0: um And I feel like there's a little bit of that foreshadowing for John throughout, Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, this entire fucking book, to be honest, like, even in the last chapter, the idea that, like, his brothers have to bring him back and save him from his demise, which would have been deserting the watch. But then the next time he deserts the watch is when his brothers kill him instead. So it's more just poetic. I mean, it's how Joe. Yeah, how. George writes these things. but Plus,
1: it says, like, or was it something else? And when you say, oh, mm-hmm. or was it something else? And I'm kind of like, it was something else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and it's like George leading us to the fucking water. Like, or do you guys think of your own idea? I'm not mm-hmm. going to say it in case you... He's such a little teacher. He, he probably a doesn't teach. even know what
1: it is himself. No, he's, just like, he's fucking with
0: us. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bran thinks, if I were truly a dire wolf, I would understand the song, he thought wistfully. In his woof dreams, he could race up the sides of the mountains, jagged, icy mountains taller than any tower, and stand at the summit beneath the full moon with all the world below him, the way it used to be. Ooooooh! <sniffs> Bran cried tentatively. He cupped his hands around his mouth and lifted his head to the comet. Ow! Ow! ow he howled. It sounded stupid, high and hollow and quavering. A little boy's howl, not a wolf's. Yet, Summer gave answer, his deep voice drowning out Bran's thin one, and Shaggy Dog made it a chorus. Bran harooed again, and they howled together, last of their pack.
1: <laughs> oh, God. I'm
0: in pain. What the hell? Last Someone of their call an ambulance. Please call 911. If you're listening to this episode, call 911. Tell them Chloe's house. Seven yeah. days ago, or <laughs> a year ago, or whenever you're listening.
1: <laughs> Safety. I'm time travel. You're t- time traveling now through the <laughs> weirwoods to Help. save Chloe. Oh, but God, it's a choose your own adventure. My gosh, <laughs> it is sad though. Like, also, but I'm like, is it? Are you the last Air pack? Anyways, right. But I, I also just love this because it is just such a relatable little kid thing to do, in my opinion. The, the harrowing with the, the dogs. As someone who still does it as an adult. I recently tried to see if I could get our dog friend, Strike, to howl with me. I was like, does Strike howl? And so I'm just howling, and Strike is not howling. So some dogs do, you know? Uh, not Strike. Anyway. <laughs>
0: He likes to sing. You got to get him to sing. I our maybe friend, he just like friend. couldn't
1: hear me, you know, because like I I know that like huskies tend to like to sing, so that's why I was like, why is he not?
0: You having... have to actually sing with him though. Oh, like, and it's you have to singing. Dance and not... sing he likes to real song. Like he likes mm. like if you just sing a song to him, like
1: yeah, and
0: he'll be like, huskies sing along.
1: They like to sing, but I guess I mean some dogs will respond to just howling. They'll be like, oh yeah, we're doing this. Hell yeah, hell yeah.
0: For those of you uh, wondering, we are talking about a famous dog. This is Strike, Zach from Game of Own's dog. He is a famous dog, in my opinion. I think (laughs) he's famous. I know a lot of dogs, but that dog is fucking famous.
1: Yeah, celebrity. So there's this line in this, right? It opens up with like, if I were truly a direwolf, I would understand the song. And you were talking about the dragon song earlier. And I'm like, okay, so yeah, as you were saying, like, they're all hearing the same song. Like, is this, you know, would he understand? Like, is there a chance that Bran, by learning wolf speak, can hear the song of ice and fire?
0: Yeah, maybe that's the part he's forgetting. The Mm -hmm. forgotten language. Uh, oh i can i could sing the song of a fire maybe maybe hey head one of the guards hey head <laughs> i don't even know Who this man on? oh i forgot they're. about him he, i believe he dies in fact oh big son let me just confirm he is injured in the capture by the ironborn we don't actually know what comes of him I would imagine since he doesn't come back up and Ramsay, well, maybe, I mean, maybe George is saving him to come back, but who knows what has happened to Hay Head. Uh, but Heyhead, one of the guards, peers in and he's like, what is this, my prince? Why are you just yodeling into the distance? And Bran, first of all, Bran hates being called prince, <laughs> even though he was Rob's heir now, the king in the north, which uh, it, it kind of reminds me of Luceris in House of the Dragon. There's that great moment in an episode where he says he doesn't want to be the Lord of Driftmark, because that means everyone's dead.
1: The oh. guardsman
0: retreats, and Lewin returns in place, saying he should be asleep, and the wolves make enough noise without his help. And Bran's like, Well, I'm talking to them, so you don't actually get to tell me what to do if I'm a prince, remember? Lewin says he can have Hayhead carry Bran to bed, but Bran resists, saying, I can do it myself. Micken had hammered a row of iron bars into the wall so Bran could move about the room with his arms if he needed without anyone. It was slow, it was hard, it made him ache, but it meant he didn't have to get carried around his room. I was really happy on this reread to remember that Micken installed those bars, giving him some sort of freedom, because this chapter more and more becomes about how he feels trapped, and how even that little line, you know, in our other series that we have covered, His Dark Materials, There's something that happens to a main character where they lose a magical-ish ability and Mm -hmm. they can get a magical ability back in a way they just have to work 800 times as hard to do so and it becomes something you have to really work towards. And for Bran, that's this. We don't always think of our limbs as being fucking magical, but they are the way that bone and body and marrow and flesh all forms together and muscle to let you like move. It is kind of a magic. And now I love that it makes him ache but it means freedom for him, right? Like it is a worthwhile pain to build.
1: I like what you're talking about there where you're learning to build those other muscles, right? Um, and that is something that happens. You know, you'll see people who, who do rely more on their upper body uh, when they can't use their lower body as much or vice versa, right? Some people who learn to become dexterous mm-hmm. with their, with their feet. And, he's going to be so swole on, like, I guess, the upper parts. But also there's something that's interesting with, like, how Micken is using the, you know, hammers iron bars into the wall. And that becomes the way, as you were saying, that Bran can escape that prison in a way uh, from, from his bed. And iron bars being that freeing aspect when there's... A lot of times iron bars are associated with prison in general right you you think of the image of the iron bars on like the doors or the windows and those are the cells so there's something fascinating going on there in which it's turned on its head and becomes that sort of key that element of freedom
0: yeah and there's even i mean If Bran is the, you know, wonderful king in the south of Westeros in the end, yada yada yada, Fisher King, yada yada yada, and Game of Thrones, if Bran as king is a thing, there's also kind of a Westeros metaphor in there, right? Because everything they do moving forward for Westeros and what his rule will probably be a lot of isn't going to be an easy rule. It's going to be sewing together a nation, and it's going to be painful. And it's probably going to be hard, and it's probably going to make everybody ache, but it's probably going to be worth it, right? So I think there's almost a metaphor for the future of Westeros hidden in there, too.
1: Hmm. interesting. <laughs> so then there's another line that uh, Chloe strongly relates to. Tell us about this line, Chloe.
0: Anyway, I don't have to sleep if I don't want to, which is the ultimate Chloe line. That is, that is if I'm ready to like just you know not go to bed for the night and fuck off and play video games... I have been heard to say, I don't have to sleep if I don't want to. Lewin tells him, though, that even princes must sleep, which sometimes my husband says even princesses must sleep, which I don't agree with that either. And Bran says, do wolves dream, Maester Lewin? Lewin says, well, all creatures dream, Bran, but not like we men do. And Bran then says, do dead men dream, thinking of his father. Lewin says, some say yes, some say no, but there are no answers because they're, you know, dead.
1: Yeah, he's like, they're remarkably silent on telling us whether or not they dream. Uh, haha. But I think, like, from what I've heard of studies that people have done, it sounds like, yes, mammals dream. It's less clear, like it's less sure that like fish dream, you know, or like reptiles, like those might be like cats dream. Yeah, absolutely. And you, I mean, you'll see it with dogs, right? You'll see like dogs switching me, like rrr, 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 while they're sleeping, which is very fun. I will say, as to whether or not dead men dream, we're told by Beric that he doesn't dream. Melisandre hardly ever sleeps, so presumably she does not dream but we don't know very much about the 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 ice whites so it's possible i mean that they do right they retain memories like are are they driven by like one other person's dream is interesting but it also makes me think of this idea of you know do dead men dream in a way yes in the in in the aspect of how people can carry on the dreams of the dead and continue them uh, to to manifest the visions of the people who live before you. Like, for example, uh, Chloe likes to talk about Ned's dream of settling the gift um, and whether or not Sansa could be able to fulfill that. Or even, like, we think about this, this idea that was introduced in House of the Dragon but was kind of hinted at strongly as friends of ours such as Joe Magician, like, have theorized even before that show came out, etc., that Aegon uh, could have had a vision of the need to unite Westeros against the others, right? And it is called Aegon's Dream, right? This His dream of the Song of Ice and Fire and how this dream is sort of dictating everything like years and years later and and that idea. I love
0: that because then you have some of those things that are put down on Jon Snow from J.R. Mormont, for example, Uh, As well as Corrin Halfhand, as well as any man that's basically his father in this story. And you have that famous line, right, of Rhaegar, that it does not do to speak of roads not taken. Talk Mm. of my return. Uh, Different dreams for the realm, different dreams for legacies that can't be completed just in one lifetime. Exactly. In the dark crypts below Winterfell, a stonemason was chiseling out his father's likeness in granite. I pointed this out because I know we were talking about it last week. Yeah. That we were like, what fucking happened to that stonemason? Yeah. And they did. This guy is chiseling at the whole chapter. Interesting we don't know anything about him before now. I would have liked him to be named just for fun. George, can you go edit it? Like in the very beginning, just give him a name. Because that would say to me that we know him. You know? But... I'm going to hope that he knows what Ned Stark looked like. I'm yeah, does hope. he die? <laughs> I'd just like to see some credentials, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, <sighs> Does I he guess ever finish? They'll find out, you know, like if it's bad, they can at least get another block of like granite, right? And start over as opposed to remember that, that uh, portrait of Christ that some old lady was like, yeah, I'm totally qualified. And next thing you know, it looks like, I don't know, it looks like a fuzzy worm.
0: <laughs> Is that not what Jesus looked like?
1: Not like that kind of fuzzy worm. How do you know? Um, Exactly. Anyways. So <laughs> so Brin asks, do trees dream? Do robots dream of electric sheep? And okay. Lewin says no. But Brin argues that he's dreamt of a weirwood that calls to him. Though he says that the wolf dreams are better, where he can smell things and taste blood. I'm like, oh, do trees dream? I'm like, ah, look, it's foreshadowing. Oh my god. Lewin is, like, tugging on his
0: collar, sweating profusely. Right now he's like, what the fuck did you just say to me? His brand's like, I like my dreams better. The wolf ones where I eat people and things in the forest and, you know, taste blood, which I love. We love the blood part. Lewin's like, oh my god, fuck, Lewin's like, what does fuck. this mean?
1: He's like, he means, like, steak tartare, right? Like, that's what we're talking about?
0: <laughs> Poor Lewin, because he is, like, blood sausage. he's like, this is not what I fucking signed up for when I came north this is not at all what I signed up for. He's like, this is way, way beyond the things that parents should be dealing with, not me. Lewin says to him, maybe you should go play with the other kids more (laughs) because that's going to normal him out. Then he does and he chooses the reeds. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As if this is going to change our weirdo, ritualistic cannibal prince son from eating people in his wolf (laughs) dreams, right? Brand reminds Lewin, (laughs) or in real life, Brand reminds Lewin, I commanded you to send the Frey boys away and Lewin's like you know I can't fucking do that. They have to be fostered here per your mother's last email and I cannot expel them. If I turn them out where would the boys go? And Brand's, and Brand's like, like I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, right. First of all, he's like I don't care. Second of all, they have houses. They have a house. They can go home to the twins. Away from Winterfell is where I want them to go.
1: To be fair, that is that is the benefit of having a home, you know, being like if you don't want someone there, you can tell them you need to get the fuck out.
0: I'm <laughs> gonna leave my fucking house. Yeah, there's nothing better than that. It's a great feeling. Get the fuck out of my house.
1: Yeah, I'm going to, to bed. With you gone. Mm-hmm. Lewis says that neither he nor the phrase asked to be attacked by the wolves, by the way, and Bran reminds him that okay, but it was Shaggy Dog who attacked them, not Summer, who is an angel and has done nothing wrong in his life. Uh, he's like, Summer never bit anyone.
0: That totally brings to mind the Trident in the last book mm. with uh, Sansa and Arya. Lady never bit anyone. La- lady never hurt anyone at uh, Derry. And like we said earlier, I could see where Bran is trying to balance being trapped in like his own prison. Not like Sansa's gender prison slash King's Landing prison. And the anger that Rickon and Arya live by, Right, they have different rules that they get to live by in their life than Sansa and Bran get to live by. Like, Sansa and Bran are doing their duty. Bran has to be the prince of Winterfell. He has to be lordly. He has to welcome people. Rickon gets to run around with his wolf, biting people and screaming <laughs> all the time, and it's, like, appropriate. It's like, that's just Rickon. He's wild. He's four. Uh, and, and it's what makes the next bit so compelling as Bran starts to get so resentful and losing himself to howling, right, for all to hear in Winterfell. He's like, here's your baby fucking feral prince, your tiny lordling. Do you like him now? Do you like what I am now? Like, why can't I just do this? I'm the prince here.
1: Also, he's I like eight it. years old, nine years old, and I'm like, yeah, that seems yeah, normal. absolutely. <laughs> Again, as a person who does this at my age, I'm like, yeah, that seems normal. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's am I weird. Rickon? Are you Bran? I guess so. I mean, you are yeah. younger, and. Yeah, I, I really like the parallels that you've drawn here between Sansa and Bran, right? Like, I mean, like, if if their storylines go the way that we think that they will, then it makes sense for us to start seeing ways in which they resemble one another, but mm-hmm. absolutely. And, and, yeah, I mean, Reckon's just running around doing whatever, and... Bran feels responsible for him, right? Like, he's like, I'm very young. Why am I also raising my younger brother? I'm so sad and alone. And Loon's also like, uh, yeah, I'm trying to, like, not raise a cannibal, so. <laughs> Loon reminds- he's like,
0: one out of two is enough, okay?
1: Yeah. Bran's all like, Summer's innocent, and Loon's like, well summer saved your life though but by ripping a man's throat out and i'm like whatever happened to context which i think is a big part and theme of these books right like in general like yes what like was this a bad thing now like look at it in context was this a bad thing for example jamie lannister killing aries everyone's like this was a super bad thing that he did as a kingslayer and then you're like oh but aries was gonna blow up the city you're like was that still a bad thing And I think that's kind of what's going on here with Summer, which is kind of funny and ironic, considering that Bran is like this because of Jamie. Anyway.
0: It's funny you say that, because then it's like, was it so bad if he had just done it? If he had just done what? Blown up King's Landing. Anyways.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well. Who was visiting that day? You know? I mean. Yeah. I mean, he was like, this is my house. Get the fuck out of my house. (laughs) Yeah. This is where Bran could be. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, Bran and Aries, they're like the same. It's the same picture. Is that what you're saying, Chloe? It seems like that are you, not what I'm are saying? Are you saying that Bran wargs in? into Aries in the past, and that's why Aries is the way he is?
0: I said Bran was the Night King. What didn't you hear? Eliana, I'm mm. getting very mad mm. with you. <laughs> um. Yeah, Bran says maybe we should just put the walders in the godswood and then the dogs can come inside. I this think is, this is a great idea. idea. Yeah. He's I also like kind of idea. annoyed that like he's the prince and no one's listening to his demands, even though his demands are ridiculous, which I guess that's your flip side, right? Look at the Sansa chapters and the Tyrion chapters and you have a king who's being fucking ridiculous and everyone's mm-hmm. listening to them. Like Bran, if everyone listened to you... It would probably not be great right now. No, you see that it doesn't always go well.
1: It's a good idea.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. Lewin says the Wolf's Wood is full of danger. Bran had wanted to go ride his horse out. He wanted to take Dancer out to the Wolf's Wood and Lewin's like, the Wolf's Wood's full of danger. Last time you were there, that should have told you like we can't you can't go out right now. Summer would save me. Bran insisted stubbornly. Princes should be allowed to sail the sea and hunt boar in the wolf's wood and joust with lances.
1: Oh, that's some King Robert shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say that. That like, <laughs> oh my god. Um, what happened last time we hunted boar in a wolf's wood? Bad. Yeah, not great. And joust Jousted with, with lances.
1: lances. I mean, he wanted to do the melee, I guess, and he, and Cersei was like, "Yeah, do it." <laughs> Interesting idea. Go ahead and do it. Uh, sail and- the sea. And Orball, well, she didn't say do it. She said, don't do it, right? Because that would make him mm-hmm. want to do it even more. And yeah, then that you won't. Yeah, sailing the sea, that's what he wanted to do with now. Going east, yeah. 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 Damn, that's great. Interesting stuff. But uh, as we're seeing, the more power that you have, I guess, that I mean, when we look at it in the context of Robert, now I'm seeing, like, you know, on one hand, Brand's autonomy is being stripped away, both due to... His age, but allegedly, for his own good, right? They're saying, like, "Oh, because of the way that your body is, you're not allowed to do these things. He's being denied his desires, like hanging out with his wolf, but also he can't even leave and go outside. No one's willing to like accompany him so he can like at least see some of the world. He has no power over even who he spent his time with. He has no power even over even being able to run away and go see his wolf. But then now that you see it, like it's almost that idea of power is a prison, right? Now they also have this idea he's, like, the lordling and therefore has to be protected. Just like at that comparison, right, with Robert. Robert also more and more is, like, imprisoned by his position. Absolutely. He never even really wanted it. Any of it. He really didn't. And, like, not in, like, a cool, like, oh my god, he didn't want it. But in a, like, he really didn't want it and should have gone to someone else. <laughs> But no one else yeah. really wanted it either, I think, except for, I don't know, Stannis, but that didn't make well, any sense. Well, and that's sense. the
0: bigger issue with Ares dying, right? Is like people don't obviously know that Ares was about to blow up the city, except for me. And I stand by, no, I don't <laughs> stand by what I said, but people don't really know what Ares's true goal was. So Jamie murdering Ares blows up the succession crisis where everyone's like, sure, why not? Just put Robert on the throne. Who cares at this point? We- Nothing's real anymore. Everybody else looks at it that way. They're like, how could you have done this horrible thing?
1: It kind of I mean, actually. No one liked the guy. When you say it like that, it kind of makes me think of like, would Jamie ascending the throne actually have gone a little differently than we think, right? Because, like, I mean, he has some morality if he's like, well, let's not blow up mm-hmm. the city. Would Jamie being someone who wanted the throne have been interesting considering what we keep saying of like, well, I mean, sometimes the people who want the throne, they want it because they have good ideas. Like, would it have been like a much grayer aspect than we think it would have been? I mean, less like Cersei. Tyrion Tyrion
0: has a lot of that Thomas Cromwell energy, right? Mm. Of like manipulating and trying to keep things going certain ways to keep things afloat and just like keep the city from being murdered. Uh, So there's almost that vibe there as well that I'm like, I just can't see Jamie's character
1: It might have been given to Daemon
0: Targaryen. Yeah, I think it was split up a little bit between the two.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, Lewin reminds Bran that you're only eight. You're not a man grown, and that's part of why you're not allowed to go, along with all the other things. And he says, and then Bran says that he would rather be a wolf living in the woods, sleeping when he wants, saving his sisters, and fighting beside Rob like Greywind. But I'll be a wolf fighting alongside him. He's like, I'd tear out the King Slayer's throat with my teeth. Rip and the war would be over and everyone would come back to Winterfell. It's it's a good thought. It's good. It's not that uh, uh you know ripping out the Kingslayer's throat would actually fix anything, as we find out.
0: I thought that was interesting that it's the first time that he really references Jamie. Yeah, like in his, his true, thoughts true. like this, he's coming back to that compartmentalized bit of Jamie, and obviously he knows that the Kingslayer is warring against his brother, so that's bad. But. He still Mm. hasn't come out of it, obviously. He won't until, I'm sure what, Tiwau will get a great reveal from him of him finally understanding the world as he beeps into the tree. I feel like it must be in winds, right? Yeah. He begins to howl. Ow! And Luwin gives up the fight and leaves him to his howling. After a while, it's less fun to howl alone, so he stops resentfully and thinks... I did welcome the Walters. In fact, it was Rickon who had wanted them gone. Rickon had screamed that he wants his mom and his dad and Rob, not these strangers. So Bran had to welcome the phrase and offered them meat, mead, and a seat at the fire. Lewin said he did well. You know, that is before they played the game. The game was played. Oh my God.
1: Damn it, Eliana. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that too.
0: I had a feeling. I thought about it all day. As soon as I read it in the book, I was like, this bitch is going to save the game.
1: Absolutely. The game
0: was played with a log, a staff, a body of water, and a great deal of shouting. The water was the most important part, though. You could use anything to cross and you didn't have to shout. But without water, no game.
1: Hmm. So they made do instead with one of the poles in the godswood, which the Walders had never seen before. They're like, I don't understand this hot water that's bubbling in the ground. But they thought that actually makes it even better. Both are named Walder Frey. There's Big Walder, uh, and Little Walder, and there are actually tons of Walders at the Twins, as we all know. They're all named after their grandfather, and <laughs> fantastic line from Rickon. Who goes, we have our own names at Winterfell. <laughs> Rickon told him hotly <sighs>
0: when he heard that. Funniest shit in the world, because I'm like, okay, Rickon, grandson of Rickard, and Brandon number 5423 with your yeah. own names.
1: <laughs> Whatever. Rob <sighs> slash Robert.
0: I'm like, they had just don't make fun of them for differentiating. Walter, Walder, right. okay, Brandon, Bran, Rickard, Rickon.
1: At least the girls have, like, what seem to be their own names for a while, right? Yeah, they have real names.
0: Those are real Real names.
1: So they lay a log on the water. One player is Lord of the Crossing and has a stick... And when the other players come to him, he must say, I am the Lord of the Crossing, who goes there? And then the other must make up a speech about who they are and why they should be allowed to cross. And the Lord can make them swear oaths, answer questions, and they don't have to tell the truths, but their oaths are binding unless they say mayhaps. The trick is to say mayhaps so the Lord doesn't notice, and then you can try to knock the Lord into the water, but only, again, if you would say mayhaps. Or you were out of the game. The Lord gets to knock anyone in the water whenever he pleases and is the only one who gets a stick. So in the end, the game is about shoving and hitting people and lots of arguments.
0: Right off the bat, there's so much to be gleaned from that passage alone about the phrase. A. Their politics. and. How they teach their children politics. Someone came up with this game. Likely a older generation of Frey children, of Walder Frey's kids, came up with this game. Maybe God, who knows? You know, it could be uh one of the maybe like Walder Rivers, it could be Bla- it could be any of these guys that came up with it. But it, it reminds me a little bit of Succession. I won't go into like details, oh. but the idea of the kids, there is a conversation about one of the kids getting locked in a fucking dog oh, cage. One.
1: I thought you yeah. meant bore on the floor.
0: No, oh, bore on the floor, too. This could be it. But that's also it, though. Like, it is literally a game, a demeaning, humiliating game, where one person gets to be role-playing as Walder and hitting the rest of them with a stick until they say the right things that they get to pass. And it is teaching them, like, the politics of the land they could possibly someday own, as well as them beating the shit out of everybody else in the succession so they can own it is really what the game is like that's straight up the game it's very cruel it's like screwing your neighbor basically and you can see why all of these children all of walder frey's children his grandchildren their cousins their blah blah their blah whatever their kin all of his kin that's why they're mostly bloodthirsty because that's how they were taught they're taught that if you want it you need to get those scraps don't just sit there and beg for the scraps make the scraps happen uh, Even if you and, have to lie for it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That I mean, that's that gives them merit, and you can see why they Frey? little Walder, yeah, merit Frey. You can see why little Walder and big Walder both are like so obsessed with their place in succession mm. because that is where they have what they've been taught. Like from the moment they knew any of the words of their house, their parents have been drilling in them. You're this number. You need to be this number. Can you imagine? That's an immense amount of pressure to be born into that family.
1: I cannot imagine. It is a very big family, (sighs) and I I literally cannot imagine. And, yeah, it's it's also, like, just so, as you said, right, there's, like, no camaraderie at all. Everyone's pitted against each other. I can see, like, the kids of Winterfell being like, huh, what a weird fun game, like, where we throw each other in the water. But, like, if that's what you're taught is the culture of your family, like, then that's a different thing. As you said, like, very
0: competitive. Yeah. And Also, as a kid, like, it's the worst kind of game. It's overtly physical. And, like, I sucked at any games as a kid that were overtly physical. I didn't have great motor skills. They, like, did not develop for me in time for that. So I was, like, embarrassed at recess. I didn't play those kind of games, except for Foursquare. I fucking loved Foursquare. I was the king of Foursquare. Anyways, but, you know, Bran, I mean, it's embarrassing the next part of, like, he doesn't even get to play Right? He he's the judge. How many times I played a game where I since I wasn't physically fit to play it, they were like, you can just judge it. You could just be the judge. That's the ultimate, like, we don't really actually know what to do with you or want to play with you or figure it out. So you just be the judge. It's a horrible, humiliating thing. And we're seeing like Arya. Arya's getting bullied, right, amongst the boys on the road on the way to the night's watch for her lumpy head and because she's the smallest. Poor Bran, he doesn't even get like straightforward, obvious bullying. He just gets ignored. Yeah. Damn. And of in his course, own home. There's... Yeah, in his own home, exactly. Like, where he's, he's lord. Yeah, prince. Yeah. Excuse me. That's treasonous. He's the prince of Winterfell. Yeah. Uh. Also, obvious foreshadowing with the mayhaps. Now, probably not if you're reading mm-hmm. it for the first couple times, but uh, you know, you didn't
1: say mayhaps. Simon didn't say exactly it is very it's a mix of like simon says and i don't know throwing yeah. people into the water <laughs> <laughs> little walder was the lord uh, i guess more often than not his name is a misnomer of course he's tall and stout red-faced big bellied while big walder was sharp-faced skinny and a half a foot shorter little walder says that big walder is 52 days older than him but he grew faster they're cousins, not brothers, which, I mean, yeah, that would be unhinged if both of their children were named Walter, but, I mean, not saying that, like, someone would never do that, someone that, that someone would never name both of their kids the same name. But anyway. Aegon. Aegon. Oh, uh, you're what? talking
0: Rhaenyra <laughs> and Alicent, or Lyanna Stark, oh, or... Oh, I was thinking
1: Rhaegar naming. He's like, oh. Yeah. Hmm. Exactly. Agin and Agin. and I think I, I actually do think it's possible that he did that, but anyways. Big Walder, yeah, was a son of Jamos, whom I haven't heard much about, but he's got a great name. He's a son of Walder's fourth wife, the call who has good hips. And of course little Walder is Merritt's son. Y'all know Merritt. And they're not the only Walders. Sir Stevern has Blackwalder, who is fourth in line. And then there's Redwalder, Em and Son. And then there's also Bastardwalder, who isn't able to inherit Walder Rivers. And then there are also the girls, Walda. Also, there's Waltier, gets corrected as like, it's, it's a tier Wal. Tier, not Walder. And they're also just like, I don't know, Walter doesn't really matter even if he's older because for some reason he's like not in the line of succession. They explained it in the chapter, but I didn't feel like capturing it. And also I love this passage now because it is a perfect way of showing that all of these succession laws, they are all very confusing, right? It's so hard to keep it straight, especially with the phrase, but they're just like an exaggerated example to really show that it's all hodgepodge and it's also all bullshit.
0: Yeah, I love how easily it shows that they're like, "Well, I have exactly this many steps I have to get ahead in order to win." Basically, it's like, "Here's how many cheat codes I need to do," and they're just like recanting it out loud. They're like, "Here's how many I memorize this is. one." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and not only that, but then you have the more collected version of this in a feast for crows with Littlefinger and Sansa with the eerie, right? Mm. And like the long winding explanation. There's something interesting in that. That passage is more like a big gotcha reveal about. Harry the Red Herring, where this one is kind of more of a like, ah, gotcha, this is just how the phrase are.
1: Yeah, and also, I mean, with all the different things, and it changes so easily, right, with just, Mm -hmm. like, one letter. For example, when Rob is like, um... So, yeah, I guess if Bran is theoretically dead, that would make Sansa heir, even though otherwise it would mean that Bran was heir, but if he's not Mm -hmm. there... Sons and he's like, but I we don't like that she's married to Lannisters. So let me just write a letter, and now John is heir, right? Like everything's right. just—it's all gravy.
0: Yeah. Roderick had allowed the boys to share John's old bedchamber, which Bran also hates. He is forced to watch while the Walders play with Turnip, the Cooks' boy, and Joseph's girls, Bandy and Shira, as Bran gets to be the judge. But as soon as they start playing, they forget all about Bran.
1: Yeah, so I'm like, oh, interesting that they make him the judge who decides, like, who gets to be the lord, maybe? Ah! Which is very much what a, oh, I don't know, maybe a lord or a prince or, I don't know, a king gets to decide?
0: <sighs> Eliana. You goddamn beautiful bitch! I'm just gonna plant a big old kiss on your head through the camera. I'm Please do ya. not,
1: not right I'm kissing now. you through the camera. <laughs> do not go away. Get out of my Mwah. house. Do You're just touch. so
0: smart. You're so smart. God damn it. God damn. Yeah, that's great. That's a a perfect position for him to rule from. He might not like it for the moment, but maybe oh, he's a reluctant he could. ruler. Oh my god. Just Before like Robert. Long, The noise draws all the children in Winterfell out, and they're all ignoring Bran getting muddy and laughing. And he thinks, if I had my legs, I'd knock all of them into the water. No one would ever be Lord of the Crossing but me. Ooh, well, you're gonna get some wings instead, so let's see what happens
1: then. Can you imagine, like, the birds come and they just swap people into the water? (laughs) Like the Tualopi! Uh, I was thinking that, actually.
0: (laughs) That and the Harpies. I can't Mm -hmm. wait for this His Dark Materials shit to happen this year. Finally, Rickon comes running in, wanting to play, and Shaggy Dog follows. Bran had told Shaggy he has to stay behind, but little Walder smacks Rickon with the stick, and in Shaggy goes flying over the plank, attacking Walder. Woo! Good boy, good boy. <laughs> there was blood in the water. The Walders were shrieking, "Red murder! Interesting." Yeah, lots of good, lots of good foreshadows to come.
1: It is interesting. So Red Rickon... murder. Yeah. Redrum. Rickon is, of course, cackling in the mud, and Chloe feels that this reminds her of the time. She actually wasn't there, but it's a story I've told her, that when I was standing at a bus stop once, cackling after I ghosted uh, my cousins, <laughs> and uh, I was very drunk, and I was like, I did it! And I'm just cackling at the bus stop by myself. And Hodor lumbers in sing Hodor! And after that, though... Rickon actually likes the Walders, right? He's like, this was fun. They never played Lord of the Crossing again, but they did play other games like Monsters and Maidens or Come Into My Castle and Rats and Cats. And with Rickon, they'd plunder the kitchens for pies and honeycombs. They'd play with the pups. They'd race around the keep and even train with Roderick on wooden swords. Definitely lots of
0: great stuff in the games there because I'm like rats and cats. So yeah. they're the rats? Were the cats?
1: Well, uh, I was like, they're the rats, uh, kind of like the rat king and the rat cook mm-hmm. and like the guest right stuff and eating, but also cats, funny enough, because cat. of Arya.
0: Oh. And here I'm thinking of Cat Dolin with the rats and cat, the other phrase, uh. and killing cat. And, uh, you know, monsters and maidens and come into my castle, which is played generally after a wedding. I was going to say, yeah, which is played generally part. by
1: what? Peter and Sansa? hey,
0: ugh, ugh. anyways, uh, there's also something like, even though he's a babby and he's not quite developed yet, Ricket reminds me of his uncle Brandon so much, just that he has the wolf blood, right? Oh, he's wild. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: He's really, Uh, he likes other people. He's kind of outgoing where Bran has that certain quiet sadness and depth to him of Ned, not of the age factor, obviously, but just in the personality factor.
1: Well, that's kind of nice that, like, Rickon is the one who's more like Brandon, even though Brandon shares a name, right? You see it with the Mm -hmm. Walders, that it's this idea that just because you have a certain name doesn't mean that you have to be this kind of person, right? It, It Yeah. The names are, sometimes they're just names. You are who you are regardless. Like John. Yeah. Motherless, bastard, damned. Rickon takes it a step too far, though, when he took the Walders into the sacred vaults beneath Winterfell, where Eddard's likeness is still being carved. And that pisses Bran off. He shouts that Ricken had no right that this is a stark place, but Ricken doesn't care. <sighs> it it's so sad
0: because it's like, Bran is obviously upset. And it is a little fucked up. Like, you don't just take the phrase. You don't just take the phrase down to, to the fucking crypts. Like, that's a special place. But... I mean, to him, it's like you're leaving him now too, Rickon. Like he can't keep up. You're going ahead and you're going away. And again, to quote House of the Dragon, isn't there anyone left in Winterfell on
1: Brand's side? My God, he's alone. Isn't there anyone left? And also, like, why is everything being taken from me, even in my own home? Like, my freedom, my family, all the things that are sacred. You know, he has no power over it. Yeah, like, what's the point of being a prince if you can't fucking do anything? He's being promised a crown,
0: he's being promised wings, and none of them are giving him anything for freedom.
1: Absolutely. My poor son.
0: Maester Lewin comes into Bran's room with a green jar, and Osha and Hayhead come with Osha scoops him up, and Lewin says he's made Bran a sleeping drought, which Osha says will stop his dreams. Bran drinks it. It's thick, chalky, but there's honey in it, so it goes down easy. Lewin gives him a smile and a pat, and Osha lingers behind. She asks, is it the wolf dreams again? And he nods.
1: Ooh. Well, uh, I kind of wonder if there's an aspect of this that's kind of, I don't know. With the wanting to not dream, it reminds me a little bit of Danny right, and Daenerys' night, right? In her grief, when it comes to Drogo, and she says to sleep, to sleep, and not to dream, which is a, a sort of flip of on on Hamlet's to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream. So I don't know. I'm kind of wondering if there's mm-hmm. something there regarding Bran also feeling his own grief, right? Which yeah, would especially make sense.
0: He gets no reprieve. That's for sure. That's true,
1: he doesn't. He's just Uh, left alone with his thoughts now.
0: Yeah, even more intensely, it seems, and Osha's Mm -hmm. words here kind of seem like they might drive him to that, because she tells him I've seen you speak to the heart tree, maybe the gods are trying to talk back and you should listen. They are. (laughs) They are! Like, you can't just drown them out with this green fucking drink. Though I I thought this was great that at the very front of A Clash of Kings, We have Bran drinking this green juice when at the very near dance, like his chapters in dance at the end of the story so far of what's published, we have him drinking something else, right? Something red, some red juice, so it will be. So here, this is something that's meant to stop and stop his dreams and their tracks, right? Like they're trying to suppress the wolf within. Mm. And there's even a line that Jojen says in this book, he says, and this is just of green seers in general because the color green also i'm like wow you're giving him a green drink so he doesn't have green dreams
1: mm-hmm.
0: will it work is it reverse psychology what's in it i gotta know uh jojin says on green greensight metaphorically it's given to a few to drink of that green fountain while still in mortal flesh to hear the whisperings of leaves and see as the trees see as the gods see most are not so blessed Uh, But then, of course, Bran actually does that. That was a metaphorical drink. The real drinking comes in A Dance with Dragons when he has the weirwood paste. What is it? A paste of weirwood seeds. Something about the look of it made Bran feel ill. The red veins were only weirwood sap, he supposed. But in the torchlight, they looked remarkably like blood. He dipped his spoon into the paste and hesitated. Will this make me a greenseer? The journey to being a greenseer right? It starts in this book.
1: It does. I mean, I, you know what you're saying about the this green drink, which first of all, what is it? Is it like Green Machine by like Naked Juice, you know? Is it is it kale? Is it spinach? Like, what's in this, you know? People have green drinks all the time nowadays. Started with this chapter, actually. Brand's a trendsetter. And it, it does kind of feel like this green drink does un- start to unlock those green dreams, right? I mean... Mm-hmm. Kind of like, is it the combo of the singing together and the whole, like, them saying it will, like, keep you from having any of your own dreams and therefore suppresses his own voice and clears the way then for the wolves to connect?
0: Yeah. And the comet and the dragon's birth, I mean. Yeah. Things are aligning. Things are aligning.
1: Absolutely. Well, Bran's drowsy already when the sleep takes him. He once more finds himself in the darkness, moving beneath the green-gray trees, their gnarled oaks. I'm walking, he thought, exulting. But part of him knows that it's a dream, but it's better than the truth of his bedroom. It's dark. But the comet lights his way. He's moving on four good legs. They're strong, they're swift, and he feels the ground below. The smells fill his head, alive, intoxicating. The hot pools, the rich, rotting earth, squirrels in the trees. The squirrel reminds him of blood and bones, cracking in his teeth. He had eaten half a day past, but there was no joy in dead meat, even deer. Uh, concerning? Um, his brother elopes the walls a familiar scent it's strong it's earthy it's black as this coat they search for prey for a way out for his mother his litter mates his pack and never finds them and i thought that was kind of funny the the searching for his mother right because it's a double entendre when it comes mm-hmm. to the wolves on one hand it's searching for the mother that was killed uh you know, on this side of the wall, right, with the stag's horn. So, in a way, it's mm-hmm. also kind of looking for Ned. You know, we know that they were looking for Ned in that one dream, in the crypts, but also they're kind of looking for their mother, who's not here, Catalin, as well as also return. looking for the wolf mom that is dead. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's very sad. And and the pack, the end, the, the in the dream that he's like, but they never find them. Big and sad. He thinks it's a dream, but it's just real life. Behind the tree rises dead man-rock, caging them, moss-spotted, thick, strong, and tall. His brother stops at every hole, baring his fangs in rage, but the dead man-rock stays closed. He had already done so his first night himself, as Bran had in his dream searched through this wall. And we end the chapter with this. The world had tightened around them, but beyond the walled woods still stood the great gray caves of man rock. Winterfell, he remembered, the sound coming to him suddenly. Beyond its sky-tall man cliffs, the true world was calling, and he knew he must answer. Or die. Yo, the call! Bran got the call! The call of the journey! The call for the journey of the hero! Ring, ring, Bran, time to be a magical little fucker! That too. It's happening. It's coming for Bran. It he's is. about to embark on his hero's journey, and I know, I know George thought he was clever there. He's like answer or die, fall or die. <sighs> Beautiful. What a way to tell a story with this character. It is it is so classic, but simultaneously he's giving his own spin on it. I love it. And there's also something I have to point out here. The language again, coming back to that double entendre of speak through the wolf, but through Bran. The language about man-rock, uh, that the great gray <laughs> caves made from man-rock, that they're looking at yeah. the marble of Winterfell as man-rock. So I sh- wonder if the wolves, when they see dragonglass, if they would say it's dragon-rock or something else. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, uh, it's sky-tall man-cliffs, right? They're-, they're man-made cliffs to these doggos. That's what they're seeing through their eyes. And it reminds me of the John Dies at the End series, there's a there's a POV chapter from a dog and it calls its owner meat smell because of how proud it always is that its owner's breath always smells like meat. And yeah. it's just the most dog shit ever. Like maybe someday we will get a POV from a wolf from a doggo, a ghost chapter. Could. That'd be cool. But this is this is pretty close right here. This is pretty close to a wolf POV.
1: Yeah, it, it I mean, I think it is. I do think we will get a wolf chapter one day. And also, like, the dead man rock is fascinating because it's like, because they're no longer in the earth, therefore it is dead, right? Mm -hmm. And that the songs are no longer in the rocks and there's no spells in them, which is kind of interesting when you think about how, like, what, allegedly there are spells woven into the wall, into Storm's End, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: etc., so I'm wondering if there's like a difference there. It makes me also think of, I, I don't know if it's the, this series. I might be confusing it with the other one. I might be confusing it with the Greenbone saga and the idea of, you know, it being alive, but also, you know, not that I know much about the series again. Lord of the Rings, right? Like the idea that you can sing to the stone, that it's alive and therefore it like responds and does things back. But this stone doesn't do that because men have killed it. Like they've killed everything
0: mm-hmm. else. Oh, yeah. Cutting off that mystical connection and now it's just man-made.
1: Now it's just dead rock's a castle, right? But... Yeah. I mean, that dead man rock can be... It can be alive, too, one day, when everyone returns, when the wolves return. They keep talking about dreams, you know, this chapter, and they're like, do dead men dream And all those things? And it makes me think of, of course, a dream of spring.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> the wolves will come again. They Allegedly will.
0: Um, Um, The saddest part of this wolf dream, though, is that Summer is trapped just like Bran, and that is what Bran is experiencing every night. He is in the wolves' minds, watching them go and pace back and forth at this wall. Trapped, just like him, within the walls of Winterfell. But, soon they'll be burnt out of Winterfell, and they'll miss being trapped.
1: (laughs) Well, You know? I'm just saying. Well, I mean, they'll just move to being trapped, I guess, underground, and... Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's so well done about this chapter, right? It opens with Bran's feelings of being trapped and then ends with uh, that that brilliant parallel with their wolves also feeling that same way.
0: Yeah. It reminds me, and, and of course comes right back to Sansa, right? That she wants nothing but home, nothing but her wolf after it's all torn from her. Yeah. Loss of innocence is coming, man. <sighs>
1: Well, it's coming home is whenever they awoo home is wherever they awoo oh, oh. i instead of uh saying my bed.
0: that's okay <laughs> now i'm sad now a sad moon is on the rise Ah, uh, well thank you for joining us for our first bran in a clash of kings chapter I am excited to get through these chapters, but sad because they get sad. They get cool. They get weird. We have a a guest or so coming on in the next book here. I have a we have what we have one clash guest at least who is going to be really fun. So I look forward to that.
1: Yes, we have a couple eventually throughout throughout our brand coverage. But yes, we have another one coming up soon. It's in theme for a lot of things going on. Very excited. Yes. Um, we'll have to figure out, you know, our schedule for some of these things. Because, you know, end of year. I mean, I'm sorry, everyone. Like, this year has just been <sighs> so erratic for us. But hey, you
0: know, it's been a little bit of a crazy season. And I know we're now getting a little bit back in the swing of things. And holidays are coming up. We'll have some traveling back and forth. But you will hear from us. You absolutely will. And if you want to keep an eye on where to hear from us...
1: You can always find us and keep up with those news on our social media. For example, you can find us on twitter.com slash girlsgonecanon. That's C-A-N-O-N. Or you can also send us some of your thoughts. You can send us an email at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com.
0: And you can subscribe to us and review us on your favorite podcast platform, whether that is iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, amazon podcasts audible you name it
1: and of course you can always find us on patreon at patreon.com slash girls where patrons in the five dollar tier and above the stranger tier and above get bonus episodes each month and this month is queensguard
0: yeah and of course we host events in our discord in the voice chats in the Thunder tier and above, 10 bucks and up, you will get access to our Discord server for Eva, and of course, invites to all of the fun events like our monthly brunch slash happy hour that this coming month, November's date, will be announced in the following weeks. Until then,
1: I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. Ow! Goodbye.